This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Debbie, and your go-to source for all things Debbie and college football. for episode 12 of the Destination Debbie podcast. I'm your host, Ray Garvin. You know where to find me on Twitter, at RayGQ. But make sure you're following the show, at Destination Debbie. Now, I have some exciting news to share with you all that's already been released on Twitter. It's been official for a couple of days now. But for those of you who missed the memo or it's your first time listening to the show, the DDP, the Destination Debbie podcast, will now be on DLF, Dynasty League Football. That's right. The show will now be included as a part of the DLF family of podcasts, and I will be contributing Debbie Dynasty written content over there as well. I cannot thank the leadership team over there at DLF enough for the opportunity to join them in not only a writer's capacity, but they've seen value and entertainment in this show enough to in- include it as a part of their podcast family. Big shout out to Ryan McDowell for reaching out to me with the opportunity But I really, really want to thank you guys for listening. And I mean that sincerely. If it weren't for you guys downloading the show, subscribing, rating and reviewing, sharing it on social media, word of mouth, interacting with me on Twitter, there's no way this would have gained the traction and attention it has in such a short amount of time. So big thanks to each and every person listening. It's not just about my move to DLF. We are moving to DLF together. So please, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe rate and review, grab your wife's phone, grab your husband's phone, grab your kid's phone, do it from their device, subscribe to this, and let's make this the best Debbie Dynasty related podcast in the world. And I have to say, thank you and much appreciation to Rich Dodson and Garrett Price over at Dynasty Nerds, who gave me my first opportunity to share Debbie Dynasty content to the masses through their platform. They're a great group of guys who have a tremendous amount of respect for I'm very excited about this move to DLF, and there are only great things coming in the future. We're just getting started, baby, so let's let's kick this show off. I've got a new segment I want to introduce. Let's get rolling. Now, moving forward, I want to implement a Debbie Freshman Profile segment in this show. And what I want to do with this is there are so many incoming freshmen who, at some point in time, will eventually be the top-tier talent in college football, But there are a lot of guys who are flying under the radar, but they've got the talent. And right now their cost is so low as far as Debbie startup ADP, Debbie mock drafts. These guys should be really attractive in deeper Debbie leagues, but also give dynasty owners a head start when they start thinking about the following year's Debbie drafts or upcoming, you know, NFL draft prospects. You know, these are people that you need to keep an eye on outside of round one, round two 
Debbie players that everybody knows about. So I wanted to start this segment off with somebody that I'm very, very excited about, and it's incoming University of Texas athlete, running back wide receiver Jake Smith. Jake Smith was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. He was the number eight ranked wide receiver prospect in the 2019 class, and he was also a top 50 overall prospect. He was number 49 according to 247sports.com. Six foot one, I'm going to say he's 190 pounds. They have him listed at 180. He's probably close to 190. I'm just going to say 6'1", 190, absolute playmaker. I want you to listen to some of his high school stats. So his junior year, he had 118 carries for 1,135 yards and 11 touchdowns. That average is 9.6 yards per carry. Now, before we get going any further, he played at a 5A school in Scottsdale, Arizona, private Catholic school, Notre Dame prep. So he did face solid competition. Arizona boasts a lot of good high school football talent. He had 33 receptions for 1,055 yards and 15 TDs. He averaged 31.9 yards per reception, 33 catches, over 1,000 yards and 15 TDs, which is absolutely insane for a junior running back slash wide receiver to be producing at this level. Now, what could he possibly do to follow up that tremendous junior season, which for it was the first time since 2013 that a high school prospect had 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving yards in a season. The last person to do it was Christian Kirk, so also an Arizona high school product. I mean, he was, fen- he was phenomenal to Jake Smith. So a senior season, he had 64 receptions for 1,112 yards and 22 TDs, 64 receptions, 22 touchdowns, and just, you know, for the hell of it, he chipped in 741 rushing yards and 15 TDs while averaging 38.7 yards per punt return. He is an outstanding prospect, a dynamic athlete. He's explosive. He can do it in the running game and in the receiving game. So he ended his high school prep career with 5,446 total yards, 72 TDs. I mean, this guy just... Just ridiculous. Now, there's nothing verified for his 40 time, but it's been reported that he's a sub 4-4 athlete. And he looks like it. I mean, it shows up on tape. He looks very, very explosive. Now, I'm going to rant right here a little bit because I'm very excited about Jake Smith, but nothing, nothing irritates me more than comps based on physical appearance, right? When you look at the slender black running back with dreadlocks, the first thing that people point to, oh, he's Jamal Charles. Or if you've got a white wide receiver that happens to play in the slot, he's Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola. Or if he's a white running back, oh, he, he reminds me of Danny Woodhead. Stop. Like, stop it. It's the laziest stuff I've ever seen. And I'm not here to slander any recruiting service. This has absolutely nothing to do with the recruiting service who comp Jake Smith, but I just wholeheartedly disagree with those sort of physical appearance comps. This particular recruiting service comp Jake Smith to Trey Quinn. Washington Redskins slot wide receiver Trey Quinn, and I wholeheartedly disagree with that assessment. I don't have what Jake Smith comps to right now. He has yet to take a collegiate snap in his career. We haven't seen him on a Saturday, but I know he's not Trey Quinn. I know for a fact he is not Trey Quinn. So according to playerprofiler.com, Trey Quinn ran at 45540 at the combine. 
He has 45th percentile speed score, a 20th percentile burst score, 65th percentile agility score, and a 28th percentile catch radius. Based off of the film, okay, and based off of reports of people who follow Jake Smith, he is a hell of a lot faster than 4.55. He's got more burst than being a 45th percentile speed score athlete or 20th percentile burst score athlete. I just, I think it's really lazy just to comp this kid to Trey Quinn. I mean, he played running back in high school, running back wide receiver. And if we're going to play that uh, physical uh, physical appearance comp game, mustn't be afraid to dream of the bigger darling. Well, then he's more Christian McCaffrey than he is Trey Quinn. I mean, it's just, it just irritates me. All right. And, and I am not, uh, I'm, I'm very careful with how I say things, but I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. We've done that a lot. And it happened in 2019 with, uh, with, uh, the UMass wide receiver, Andy Isabella. Every time I turned around, it was, Oh, he's Julian Edelman. Oh, he's Danny Amendola. Oh, he's what? No, he's not. I went on record saying he reminded me of Brandon Cooks. Like that's the type of athlete and player I see on film was he reminded me he was very explosive, you know, smaller statured wide receiver, but I did not see Julian Edelman in his game. I did not see Danny Amendola in his game. I saw Brandon Cooks. And it's the same thing with Jake Smith. If you turn on his highlight tape and you walk away from watching his highlights and say, you see Trey Quinn then I will get on this podcast next week and say, you know what? A couple of people said, you know what, Ray? He really does remind me of Trey Quinn. But I bet you that's not what you're going to walk away with saying that he looks like Trey Quinn. So again, I am not, I am not knocking this recruiting service. Love everything they do. But comps like that, they just have to stop. He is not Trey Quinn. Now, back to Jake Smith, the talent on the field. He isn't eligible until 2022. And I've said before, I do not like to invest high Debbie draft capital in, you know, prospects who are two, three years out from even being eligible for the draft. And Texas has an allotment of talent coming back on the offensive side of the ball this year. So he probably won't have that dominant, consistent impact year one with Keontae Ingram, Colin Johnson, Sam Ellinger. You know, those are going to be the main contributors on offense, but I can see him making splash plays this fall. And by 2020, it could be wheels up for Jake Smith. Right now, according to Debbie Watch, he's got an ADP of 118. So, I mean, he's going late, late in Debbie mocks, late in Debbie startups. And if you're in deep Debbie drafts, you can probably get him, you know, seventh round. That's that's perfectly fine for a player of his caliber, for a player of, uh, of his athletic profile. I fully expect when we're talking about um, the college football season in 2020, Jake Smith's ADP will no longer be in the triple digits. I mean, this kid is a dynamic playmaker, can do it between the tackles. He's listed as a wide receiver at Texas. Tom Herman's going to use this kid. He's going to be special. And I'm very, very excited about this incoming freshman, Jake Smith. Remember the name. Now let's talk about two running backs that should not only dominate their backfields this fall, but be mentioned right after the consensus top two guys in DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne. I'm talking about Wisconsin's rising junior running back, Jonathan Taylor, and Arizona State's rising junior running back, Eno Benjamin. Now, some people may have Benjamin a tick lower with J.K. Dobbins and Cam Akers slotted above him, but you know me, I do not go with consensus. When I watch the film, when I look at the numbers, I think Eno Benjamin is a little bit better than those guys, and he he's in that tier one 
running backs for 2020 prospects for me. So we'll dive into Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins real soon. I promise you that. But we should be really, really excited about these two prospects in Taylor and Benjamin. And I, I want to talk about what we should be concerned about with these guys as well. So I don't want to waste another minute. Let's get into the measurables and the data side of these two prospects. So we'll start with Jonathan Taylor, who right now, according to Debbie Watch, has an ADP of six and a half. So he's a top pick in Debbie startup drafts. That's that's where I've seen him go, you know, pretty consistently. Now, coming out of high school, he was a three star prospect. He was the number 24 ranked running back in his class. And what was really kind of interesting for me when I was looking this stuff up is he had a verified 4.4240 yard dash coming out of high school. Now, Granted, the high school clock and the clock that's in Indy during the NFL Combine are two different times, but there was a report that Roto World put out uh, a week or two ago where it said Jonathan Taylor runs a 43-40, and I immediately scoffed at that, like, no way, he, he there's no way he's that fast, but then looking at this coming out of high school, you know, a 4-4-2, I mean, it, it, back at his size, if he runs anywhere near, you know, mid to high 4-4, Low four five. That's a phenomenal time for a running back of his size. Wisconsin has him listed at 5'11", 219 pounds. He looks a lot bigger on tape than what he's listed at, but I mean he's got that feature back size that you're looking back looking for in a running back. Now, you know Benjamin right now has a Debbie. According to Debbie Watch, his ADP is fourteen point one seven. So he's a fringe first round pick in Debbie startup drafts. You know I've seen him go anywhere as high as one point oh eight. You know, it's just some people get him right at the right at the start of the second round. So he's right there, fringe first round guy, late first guy. Coming out of high school, he was a higher ranked prospect than Jonathan Taylor. He was the number six ranked running back in his class. And he has a verified 4.6340 yard dash, according to scout.com. And that kind of shows up on film. You know, he's got great burst, great acceleration, uh, question his deep long speed. Now, I did have a chance to watch Eno Benjamin in high school. He played at Wiley East, which is probably, you know, 30 minutes from my house here in Texas. And people throw man amongst boys around quite a bit. But that was that was what it was like watching uh, Benjamin play in high school. He was just a dominant, dominant force. And uh, I, I knew that wherever he went to in college, he was going to be really good. So it, it really held up. Now, Jonathan Taylor, let's let's look at his 2018 stats and some of his accolades. He was won the Doak Walker Award as the nation's best running back. He was first team All-American, first team All-Conference, all those other great accolades. He had a 40% market share, so he had 40% of the team's total offensive yards and a 35% dominator rating. He had 100, uh, 307 carries for 2,194 yards and 16 touchdowns. 2,194 yards and 16 touchdowns on 307 carries. I mean, this guy was just a dominant force behind that Wisconsin offensive line, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. He had eight catches on the season, and he followed, uh, you know, he did this after a freshman season where he had right under 300 carries. So he had 299 carries for 1,977 yards and 13 TDs. He also had eight catches that freshman season. He was a first-team freshman All-American. You know, I think he was second team all conference uh, in the Big Ten. I mean, he is just I mean, you talk about a workhorse back with a production profile that is out of this world. That is Jonathan Taylor. Now, we have all heard about Wisconsin great running backs. You know, they've had a slew of them from the early 2000s up until Jonathan Taylor. 
And just to name a few, Corey Clement in 2016 had over 3,000 rushing yards, 36 TDs. James White in 2013, you know, his career stats, he had over 4,000 rushing yards. Excuse me, these are career stats. So no, Corey Clement did not have 3,000 rushing yards in one season. Those were his career rushing stats. Now, James White, over 4,000 rushing yards in his career and 45 TDs. Anthony Davis, back in the early 2000s, had over 4,500 career rushing yards and 42 TDs. Our man Melvin Gordon, the San Diego, Los Angeles, excuse me, Chargers holdout, had over 4,900 rushing yards and 45 TDs. Monty Ball, 2012, you know, that his last year at Wisconsin, had over 5,100 rushing yards in his career and 77 TDs. And then the man, Ron Dane, back in 1999 for his career, had over 7,100 rushing yards and 71 TDs. So Wisconsin's had a history of putting out phenomenal running backs. And Jonathan Taylor is just another one in the laundry list of guys. And I didn't even mention, you know, PJ Hill and other running backs like that. I mean, they just do a good job of turning out running backs. And I think their offensive system and scheme is a big reason why, but that is no knock on Jonathan Taylor. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Now let's look at Eno Benjamin. What did he do in 2018? So he had 300 carries on the dot for 1,642 yards in 16 TDs, but where he really shined and I was really, you know, excited about him is he had 35 receptions on the season for 263 yards and two TDs. He was a third team All-American in 2018. He had a 35% market share of the offensive yards on Arizona State's team and a 37% dominator rating, which for 2020 eligible running backs, that was number three. And coincidentally, Jonathan Taylor was right behind him at number four. So the production of both of these guys, I mean, they showed that they have an ability to be, you know, feature backs in their offense. Jonathan Taylor, you know, over 300 carries, you know, Benjamin right at 300 carries, chipping another 35 receptions. I really like the fact that that Benjamin has shown an ability to do it in the passing game. Can Taylor do it? I think he can. He hasn't demonstrated that, that so far uh, at this point in his career, but I definitely think he has the talent to do it. He has not come out and said he's afraid to catch the ball. So I'm excited about, you know, what he could do this year. I have concerns about both of these guys as far as their workload. You know, Jonathan Taylor, his past two years, his carries alone, if you combine uh, carries from his freshman year and this past sophomore season, he has more combined carries than DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne combined. And Eno Benjamin, although he didn't play much as a true freshman, in high school, he had back-to-back 360-plus carry seasons. And then the year before that, I think he had like 260-something carries. So he got a little bit of a break in 2017, but yet, you know, those those carries, you know, they add up. And Eno Benjamin, he's listed at 5'10", 201 pounds, which a lot of people say, you know, he's, he's he, does, he lacks ideal size. But I mean, he's right there, the same size as Travis Etienne, depending on what website you look at. So I don't subscribe to the notion that he can't be in every down back at the next level. Maybe putting on a couple more pounds won't hurt him. But I think he's already shown the production uh, production profile and skill set that could could make him a three down back at the next level. But I really, really want to dive into their offensive situations and in particular, the offensive lines for Arizona State and Wisconsin. So let's take a look at that. All right, this is going to be fun right here. We're going to look at the offensive line stats, and we're using the statistics provided by footballoutsiders.com. We've got a formula that they use for the college game and the pro game. 
and modified them just a tad bit for the college game. But what I'm going to do is give you the statistic that we're going to look at, sort of a synopsis of what that statistic means. And then I'll give you where these offensive lines ranked according to said statistics. So we'll start with Wisconsin. So the first stat we're going to look at are line yards per carry. What this is means the line gets full credit for rushing yardage between zero and three yards. All right. Zero and three line gets all the credit. 50% of the credit for yards four through eight. Anything over eight yards is qualified as a highlight opportunity and the credit goes to the runner. You got it. So eight yards and more runner gets all the credit four to eight yards, 50% of the credit zero to three line gets all the credit. As with the pro definition, lost yardage still counts for 125% and garbage time is filtered out for all line yard averages. Wisconsin, their line yards per carry were 3.36, which ranked first in the nation. The next stat we're going to look at is standard down line yards per carry. Standard down line yards per carry. The raw unadjusted per carry line yardage for a team on standard down. So first down, second and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, and fourth and four or fewer. They averaged 3.4 yards per standard down line yards per carry, 3.4, which was first in the nation. Opportunity rate, the percentage of carries were four yards are available that gain at least four yards, i.e. the percentage of carries in which the line does its job. 60.7% first in the nation. Power success rate, this is the same as on the pro side. Percentage of runs on third or fourth down, two yards or less to go that achieved a first down or a touchdown. 81.5%, 11th in the nation. Stuff rate, same as the stuffs on the pro side. Percentage of carries by running back that are stopped at or before the line of scrimmage. Exactly what it sounds like. The stuff rate, 11.7%, second in the nation. So Wisconsin's offensive line, first in the nation in line yards per carry, first in the nation standard down line yards per carry, First in the nation in opportunity rate, 11th in the nation in power success rate, and stuff rate, second in the nation. They're not getting stuffed whatsoever. Now, conversely, let's take a look at the Arizona State offensive line stats. Line yards per carry. Arizona State, 63rd in the country, averaging 2.58 line yards per carry. Now, standard down lines per carry. Remember what this means. The raw, unadjusted per carry line yardage for a team on standard down. So first down, second and seven and fewer, third and four fewer, fourth and four or fewer. 64th in the nation, averaging 2.53 yards per carry. Opportunity rate, where the line does their job, 47.1%, which was 76th in the nation. Power success rate, 67.4%, which was 89th in the nation. And the stuff rate, 19.2%, which was 73rd in the nation. So what does all this mean? What does all this mean for Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Taylor? Well, quite frankly, and very simply put, offensive line was like Thanos with all the infinity stones. They had the, He has the gauntlet. He snapped the finger and eliminated half of the opposing team's defense. That's how freaking good Wisconsin's offensive line ranked in 2018. I mean, it's insane. First, 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 11th, second. Phenomenal run-blocking offensive line. Arizona State's offensive line was like, I mean... Thanos, he didn't have a gauntlet. He didn't have any of the Infinity Stones. Really tough villain. You knew he was tough, but I mean, he just it just does not compare. They were average to below average offensive line. Now, I'm not saying this to take anything away from Jonathan Taylor because there were games that I watched where they subbed him out, put in different running backs, 
and they weren't able to do some of the things that Jonathan Taylor was able to do. They weren't able to produce at the level that Taylor did. So I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just providing the data. We can't use data only when it fits our narrative. We have to be objective as possible when we use these numbers. And these numbers illustrate that Wisconsin's offensive line was freaking phenomenal. They were great. It was just reading this just got me so just like, oh, my gosh, like I'm very excited. Now, we're not talking about cam makers, but I looked at Florida State's offensive line rankings and it was like 130th, 118th, 129th in the country. So I feel really bad for cam makers. I think he's in a bad situation, but we'll talk about cam makers another day. This is just here to illustrate and show that Jonathan Taylor had a better opportunity behind that offensive line than Eno Benjamin did in 2018. So going hand in hand with these offensive line ratings, let's look at Jonathan Taylor and where the majority of his plays went, how he fared on first down situations, plays that went between four and seven yards. So John Taylor in 2018, he had 107 plays that went between four and seven yards. Phenomenal. Good job. You know, those are good chunk yards in the NFL. He had 77 plays that went between eight and 20 yards, 15 plays that went 20 plus yards, and he had 100 plays of zero to three yards, and he only had 16 negative plays on the season. I mean, for somebody who had 307 carries, only 16 of those went for negative yards. Pretty doggone good. 100 of those plays went for zero to three yards. And then I really like the fact that between eight and 20 yards, he had 77 plays. And then that sweet spot in the middle, you know, four to seven yards, 107 plays. Now let's look at his rushing situations. We talked about Wisconsin's offensive line on those standard down line yards per carry, first in the nation. Well, it shows here on the stats. On first and 10 situations, Jonathan Taylor had 181 rushing attempts where he averaged 7.7 yards per carry in six TDs. His second highest sort of rushing down situation was second and medium, where he had 45 rushing attempts for four point, averaging 4.1 yards per carry and four TDs. Second and long, third and long, third and medium were sort of his, I mean, this shows he wasn't on the field in those obvious passing down situations. Second and long, two attempts, two rushing attempts, zero targets. Third and long, two rushing attempts, zero targets. Third and medium, one rushing attempt, zero targets. He had 19 goal line carries and five TDs in 2018. Let's take a look at Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin, he had 90 plays that went between four and seven yards, 70 plays that went between eight and 20 yards, 15 plays that went 20 yards and above. He had 124 plays that went between zero and three yards, and he had 36 negative plays on the season. Now, you know, Benjamin also forced 94 missed tackles, which was third best in the nation. I mean, you got to you got to force a lot of missed tackles when you're playing behind a very bad offensive line. Now, his most positive offensive situations were also first and 10 situations where he had 134 carries, averaged 5.3 yards per carry, had 16 targets in that situation and two touchdowns. Second and medium, 41 carries, averaging 4.2 yards and one TD. Second and short, he had 33 carries, averaging six yards a carry and two TDs. His, I guess, most negative offensive yard situate, offensive down and distance situations. Second and long, he had 20 carries, seven targets. Third and long, two carries, four targets. Third and medium, seven carries, seven targets. He had 28 goal line carries and 10 touchdowns on those situations. So it looks like when it's passing down situations, at least Eno Benjamin is on the field. Seven targets, four targets, seven targets in that second and long, third and long, third and medium situations, whereas 
Jonathan Taylor in those same situations, zero targets in the combined five rushing attempts. Again, just because a player does not do something in college doesn't mean that they're incapable of doing it at the next level, but you can't ignore the fact that he didn't have the opportunity because he wasn't on the field. There, is there something going on in practice that we don't know about? Is he not a good pass catcher? You know, I talked about it with Travis Etienne. If you're investing high draft capital in a two-down runner, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best use of your of your draft assets, but there's no denying how talented Jonathan Taylor is as a runner. I do believe that he is the most, I think he's the purest runner of the football in the 2020 class and maybe in college football in general, just from a running back standpoint, these are concerns. And Eno Benjamin, you know, 36 negative plays and 124 plays that went between zero and three yards. You see it when you watch the film. And the part of this is the reason is the fact that Arizona State's offensive line is so bad, but he does a lot. I mean, he's jumping around. He's trying to juke people behind the line of scrimmage. Sometimes he needs to just take what he can get and get upfield and get down. But it's like he's trying to hit a home run every play. Both of these guys are very, very talented runners. On film, Jonathan Taylor, a lot of people don't think that he has agility. That's false. He is he is he can make people miss. I think he's got outstanding vision. He's got great power, contact balance, and he has long speed. I've seen him pull away from defenders. Uh, you know, watching him on tape, he looks as advertised. He looks like he's the best dog on running back in college football. He's not as flashy as DeAndre Swift. He's not as explosive and fast as Travis Etienne. But man, this guy has a combination of both that just looks like a future Nick Chubb clone back there. When I watch him, that's that's what he reminds me of. He reminds me of Nick Chubb of the Cleveland Browns. Now, you know, Benjamin on film, athletic. I don't know if he has that that long speed, right? And if that 4640 that's verified, if that is around or about what he runs, I mean, that that definitely limits some of his upside. I don't think he's breaking away from a lot of people, but he is fantastic in the passing game. You don't have to take him off of the field. He has shown an ability to handle a 300-carry workload and give you production in the receiving game. And, and I really, really love the fact that 35 receptions, that's nothing to slouch at as a, at a college running back. I think Benjamin on tape shows good vision, elusiveness, burst. But we just have to see what he ends up running at the combine. I'll be very interested at the 10-yard splits of both of these prospects to just see how fast they go from zero to 60. So Jonathan Taylor, Eno Benjamin, both of these guys comfortably in my tier one of 2020 running back prospects, as well as Debbie overall prospects. Looking forward to watching both of these guys this fall. Those are some statistical breakdowns, some differences and similarities in their game, but as Dynasty Debbie owners, we should be really excited about both of these guys in 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I hope you've enjoyed your flight. We'll be landing in just a few minutes. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of the Destination Debbie podcast. I hope you enjoyed the breakdown of Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Taylor, two very talented running backs in college football the Debbie Freshman Preview Series that I'm going to start doing. And Jake Smith, remember the name. Jake Smith really liked this kid. And for those of you who came in a little bit late, the DDP is on DLF, Dynasty League Football. Hopefully we'll have everything up and running where the podcast will be on the website. Um, I'll have some drops from some other shows promoting the other talented podcasters and phenomenal shows on the DLF family of podcasts. Really excited about that opportunity, and I cannot thank you guys enough for helping me 
uh, accomplish this goal. It's it's a really good deal, and I truly mean it. It's because of all you guys listening. And with that being said, I've got to give this Derrick Henry jersey away. It's July 23rd. You'll be listening on the 24th. I'll do the drawing this weekend on Saturday. So if you haven't entered, subscribe to the show. Five-star review. Screenshot it. DM it to at Destination Devian. Bam, you are entered. Signed Derrick Henry jersey. We really appreciate you guys. But I'm just rambling now. You know what's next. I'm done with the show. Drop the music. 